next on BYU Sports Nation, it's a ball night at Pacific. What do we expect? BYU football head coach Kalani Satake makes changes. Is this a big deal or old news? And Boise State is bugged with the Mountain West. Been there, done that. What does this mean for the Cougars? BYUSN starts now. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, January 23rd. I am Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is in the Marriott Center, maybe, getting ready for the women's basketball game on BYU TV. Top of the hour. He's not getting his teeth done? I guess not. So I'm teamed up with one of the top three heaviest hosts of the show, Jason Show. Like, were you surprised? Like, the big story in the NBA last night was Zion Williamson making his debut with oh, the New Orleans Pelicans. Four threes. Like, like the number one overall pick. Yeah. was killing in preseason, then yeah. had the knee injury and has been out since until last night. So ESPN made a big deal, as rightfully so. I mean, right. there was a lot of hype around. Yes. But they spent so much time talking about how fat he was. Or his weight, yes, which could but, be construed but that, as that. That's essentially but what they were saying. They flaunted him. There was a graphic that said third heaviest player in the NBA. That is completely unnecessary. So <laughs> you are one of the top three heaviest hosts. Of this yes, we, we are debating who among us is like. I'm it, guessing it's Spencer by hair over me because he's a little taller. So I'm guessing just there, he's. Yeah. So you're saying because I'm short, I'm the yeah, lightest? I am. Although, although you pack a punch with all that muscle. <laughs> you are the strongest of the three of us. I think. Oh, I you know. Go to, you go to the gym regularly. Uh, that's not in question. Yeah. That, that's okay. not. Okay, we're not debating that one. I am, I am third among that list. <laughs> yeah. Coming up on the show today, Zach Bay Rudy, Pacific play-by-play, will join us. He'll break down the matchup uh, with the Tigers, uh, BYU at Pacific. This is kind of a scary game. This is interesting. We'll break it down in a minute. Cam Miller, a pro football focus on the two Cougars in the top 101 James Effie didn't make the list. We made a deal about this. I'm, this I'm surprised. Thinking he'd be on the list because he was the number 10 returning offensive lineman in the country. He didn't make the list. We'll ask him why James Effie didn't make the list. Plus, Spencer Linton, the aforementioned uh, perhaps heaviest host of the show, <laughs> coming up from the Marriott Center as BYU gets has, ready for San Francisco. He has no idea what's being said basketball. about him right now. Oh, he'll go back and listen. He'll go back and listen. Yeah. But first, today's headlines. Kalani Satake tells the Zone Sports Network about off-season coaching adjustments. For the most part, our guys are, are pretty much set, and, and looking at the, the titles and the responsibilities, we've, we've already made some uh, adjustments in our responsibilities and things that we're going to get done, but uh, I don't think it's uh, really anything to go out there and advertise right now. I think we're going to... We have some things that, that, are, that are, we've done within the program that's going to help our, our team uh, function well on offense, defense, and special teams. More on this coming up in what's trending. Men's basketball travels to Stockton to take on Pacific tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Both teams right now tied for second in the conference at 3-2. and two. In fact, there are five teams right now tied for second place. Listen, on BYU Radio, I will have pregame coverage beginning at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. This is an interesting matchup. Very interesting. Uh, one that has bitten BYU before there, and uh, it's just kind of hard to see because there's not a lot of great lighting in that gym. You gotta bring a flashlight. But the gym, yeah, Mark Pope jokes about the flashlights this week. But it's not as good of a name of an arena as Wyoming. The right? Arena Auditorium. Arena Auditorium. Hi, we couldn't think of anything, so here's our name. 
The women's basketball team hosts San Francisco, top of the hour on BYU TV here. Live look inside the Marriott Center. Both teams warming up. Cougars 5-2 and two in league play. San Francisco 0-7. Oh we'll chat with Spencer near the top of the hour. And it uh, looks like Paisley Johnson running out there. Will Paisley Johnson play after spraining her ankle? Uh, we shall see. We'll keep an eye on that. Number two, men's volleyball remains undefeated after defeating number five UC Irvine in four sets. Will Stanley recorded his first double-double with 48 assists and 13 digs. Cougars face UC Irvine again tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on BigWest.tv. How about men's volleyball? 7-0, five ranked wins, five road wins. Everything's going perfectly so far. I just expect this from this team. Well, last year they were 13 and 12. I know, I know. So, last last, last yeah. year was a bit of a surprise. It's, but this is just... lost one player and they're marginally yeah, better. Yeah. It's interesting how that works. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, by the way, Jason pulling double duty to go, going to sideline. I'll, I'll sideline as soon as we're done with the show. I'm yeah. heading over. As soon as we're done, bang, you'll run over there. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. We just outlined what Kalani Satake said regarding offseason coaching adjustments. So, with that said, is this item newsworthy? Look, look, I guess it's newsworthy in the fact that Kalani said changes were made. However, to he me— He was asked. Yeah, he was asked. Uh, however, to me, it does seem somewhat like old news. Um, by all accounts, didn't these changes happen in season? I mean— Do we know that? Well, it was widely reported that Kalani took over more defensive play-calling duties. I mean, he, he talked— a little bit about that throughout the season that he was getting more involved on the defensive side and and there were you know there were more voices involved in the offense he talked about that in season so i i guess i'm 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 trying to figure out is 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 this something that we already knew i i'm trying to figure out where there's new information here that we didn't already know or assume but again, I guess the fact that he did say changes were made makes it newsworthy. But what changes? Tell Certainly, us. we would all like to know exactly what, what those changes are yeah. in terms of titles and responsibilities. Now, that's newsworthy that he mentioned he's not going to say. And, and he did say right now. So maybe at a, at a later date, those changes get made public. But in terms of not wanting to announce them, maybe that's the newsworthy part of it. Beyond that, I, I guess it's news, but to me it's somewhat old news because I thought most of this happened in season. If it's not news, why was it headline one for us today? That's my first point here. The second is this. This stretch of three years for BYU is not good enough for BYU to not make changes, uh, which brings us to an early stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Last three years, BYU's won 18 games, 4-7-7. The last three-year stretch of 18 or fewer wins was 2003 to 2005. Two of those were losing record years. One of those was 6-6. Six six. It was 15 wins. The three-year stretch before that was 0-2-0-4, 14 wins. BYU fired Gary Croton after that. The previous stretch of fewest wins compared to that was 18. It was 73 through 75 Lavelle's. Uh, years two through four. This stretch of 18 wins in three years is not good enough for BYU to not make any changes. Example, if there was a business and for two years they underperformed and underwhelmed a little bit, the, uh, the board could not reasonably go to the shareholders and say, we've made changes, but we're not going to tell you what they are, but just expect them to be better. The shareholders, in this case the fan base, would say, wait, well, what are they? Why, why don't you just tell us right. what they are? I don't think that BYU is in a position right now to say, you know what, we've got it, and that'd be okay. I think that BYU needs to say, is Aaron Roderick the offensive coordinator? If he's not, just say it. Is it Co? 
Just say it. Is Kalani Satake the primary play caller? Just say it. For many successful teams, these things flow from year to year. Guys take other jobs. You get new people. Assignments change. Justin Enna was the defensive coordinator at Utah State. He just got demoted back to a position coach. You announce it. Everyone knows it. It's clear. It's understood. I think that BYU is not in a position to just say, you know what, we made them, we're good. I think that those need to be said out loud. And there was... Once BYU was 2-4, and four, there were rumblings, Aaron Roderick's calling plays, Jeff Grimes on the field, da-da-da, Kalani Mo- Just say it. Just communicate openly, and everyone will go, cool. BYU's making efforts to not just be a seven-win team. Because if BYU does the same things, they will get the same results. And we are staring at that this year as well. With a tough schedule, again, BYU is not likely to win more than, say, eight at the best. And an eight-win season is the minimum good season. We're staring at a five- to seven-win season this year. So I want to know what these changes well, are, and, and I, it is definitely newsworthy. You're, 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 not, you're not wrong, and that's the part that's newsworthy to me. If there's any part of this that is newsworthy is that it wasn't announced and that Kalani said we're not going to announce it. That's the newsworthy part, not that there were changes because, like I said, most wait, of this but appeared to have happened change. during the season. We don't know that either way, right? We don't know that it is still what it was. But, but yes, but I, which weren't announced either. Yeah, but I'm with I'm with you. I, I, me personally, I don't understand why you don't announce it. I, I mean, it's 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 what happens in in yeah. college athletics. Like football staff changes. Well, what are they? Yeah, I, I, look, and again, and again, to go back to exactly what he said. He said for now or right now. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but. It, but it, it left it open that we're not going to say it today during this interview. That doesn't mean that we're not going to say it moving forward before and, we get to the end of the – before we get to spring. Perhaps or, they're still figuring it out. Yes. But just say that then. Say, yeah. You know what? We're still assessing it. We need to be better. we got to be better. We're assessing every angle of this and what we need to do. Just say that. Yeah. Just say that. Now on to topic number two, switching gears to BYU basketball. The Cougars traveling to picturesque Stockton, California tonight to take on the <laughs> Pacific Tigers. And three other teams with those two teams tied for second place in the WCC, obviously behind Gonzaga. This week, very important uh, because losses to Pacific or to USF or both could have major postseason ramifications. With that in mind, what do you expect tonight from BYU Hoops at Pacific? Now, it's a yeah six- or seven-point game. Vegas has it a six-point game as well. I believe BYU will cover. I think BYU wins. I, I don't expect Yoli Childs to play. I do expect BYU to win. A couple of keys uh, to watch in this one. Free throw attempts. The Cougars have shot 10 free throws the last two games in each game. That's not enough. you got to get to the 15 or 20 mark. That's where Pacific can equalize the game, by the way. Pacific is an excellent uh, free throw shooting team in terms of getting to the stripe. They're not a great free throw shooting team, but they get their lot. Second most in the league to the number two team in the country in Gonzaga. Uh, Number two, offensive rebounds. Pacific is excellent at this. Seventh in the country in offensive rebound percentage at 22%. They miss, but they'll go get it. This is the top. This is one of the top shooting teams in America and BYU from two and from three. Effective field goal percentage, three-point shooting. Uh, I wish we saw the highlight we're showing now of Yoli Chow shooting threes tonight. I don't think we will. Versus the top defensive team rebounding and block shot team in the league. They they muddy up the game, and BYU is going to have to play a good game where they are efficient. They take good shots. They make good shots. Or you're going to do what St. Mary's did, which is let Pacific in this game, and Pacific won in quadruple overtime. The question was, what do you expect? Here's two things I expect. Number one, I expect a battle. 
Number two, I do expect BYU to win. And the reason I say I expect a battle is because, honestly, Pacific is not a great matchup for BYU because a lot of their strengths are things that BYU has struggled with recently. And you mentioned a couple of them. You mentioned the rebounding, that they are a fantastic rebounding team overall. And and BYU, the last couple of games, Coach Pope talked about it. That's something they've got to get better at. They want to slow the game down. BYU is all about the up-tempo pace and, and, and pushing the ball. And Pacific wants to slow things down. So you yep. have somewhat polar opposites. You have, have different styles, you know, clashing there. Uh, great defensive team in Pacific. And they're very physical. And, and I'm curious to see how BYU handles that physicality. Like, I still maintain that Pacific hasn't played anybody overall when you look at their overall record. But here's something they have that BYU doesn't. And that's a win over St. Mary's. Yep. Now, it took four overtimes. And, yes, it was at home versus BYU's game at Moraga. But... They still have a win over St. Mary's, and BYU doesn't. But again, overall, I, I still question the body of work with the overall record because of their strength of schedule. Oh, before, yeah. before, the pre, before the conference season started, they were like 317 in strength of schedule. Now they're in like the 230s, and a lot of that's oh, happened they, because— Oh, they are climbing but up. But, so, but you see what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I believe BYU is also the more tested team, and if BYU can control the tempo, meaning speed it up, if, if they can have a typical night shooting for them— I think BYU is going to be fine. Again, I expect BYU to win. And one picks coming up later in the show. Topic three, the Boise State versus Mountain West conflict is a national topic now. A lot of people talking about it, especially after a lawsuit was filed from Boise State against the Mountain West regarding the new TV contract and the lack of added incentive and bonus of $1.8 million for Boise State. They're not happy with the new TV deal, CBS Sports Network, the primary provider, the secondary being Fox now starting this fall. Uh, Broncos won't get that added value, which is what BYU wanted uh, and eventually didn't get and left. So, yeah. Jason, is this a situation anyway related uh, to an opportunity for BYU? Look, I, it would seem to me, yes. Look, the first thing that I thought of, and obviously we're focused 100% on, on BYU, and this is what we're around every well, day. Well, sometimes it's Gonzaga sports. Right? <laughs> well, that's yeah. true. But, but, I mean, as soon as I heard that news, my very first thought was, what does this mean for the Cougars? Right. It wasn't about, about Boise State. It was, what, is, what kind of opportunities does this present for BYU? And there are several ways that this could affect BYU. Uh, just two of them. One, do, do you join forces with Boise State to join a, a different G5? For, different for them, a G5 for BYU. You're referring to the American. There's for the no American, league, right? yes. Uh, make another pitch to a, a P5 as a package deal? Do, do, you, do you join forces and go that route? I mean, it could certainly have theirs. Where, where I don't think this affects BYU is that they replace Boise State in the Mountain West Conference. That, that's just not happening. BYU is not going back to the Mountain West Conference. I'll shave my head if that happens. Yeah. The, the other way that it could affect BYU is simply to be a resource for Boise State. That, that may be the – right now, early on, Boise As State – like consultant on – Meaning like, hey, you guys have already divorced. been through this. Hey, BYU, yeah. we've gone, we're going through this now. You went through this 10 years ago. Explain to us what your, your thought process was. Maybe that's how this affects BYU today is that they're a resource for Boise State – Look, I, 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 and, and the cost is $1.8 million yeah, and we're gonna, to consult with BYU. Yes, exactly. But, but yeah, immediately I thought, you know, it's regionally, it's a nice travel partner with somebody if you're going to join a P5, sure, if sure. you're going to join the AAC. Sure, I immediately thought that. I think it does have somewhat of an effect, or at least certainly could. I don't really see an effect immediately. I think BYU is standing pat um, until 
Power 5 expansion happens or doesn't. And that's going to happen closer to 24 and 25. It could certainly happen before, and then it doesn't kick in until after that, right? right? You could do it now and have things set up for way later. Typically, you're about a year or two out on those things. I don't think BYU is going to move to the AAC anytime soon. I only think that would happen if BYU doesn't get into a Power 5. The, uh, the aftershocks of that happen, and there's no movement to say the, the Pac-12 or the Big 12, because it doesn't make sense that BYU would be in any other league, right, besides those two, um, or the AAC. That's the future of BYU. They stay independent for as long as it makes sense. BYU, I think, still feels like, hey, independence can work competitively. It's working financially off the field. My argument is always, no, 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 on the field matters more than off the field. Um, you got to win or you just don't matter. And right now, BYU football just doesn't matter. I hope that BYU can get to that point. But Boise State uh, hasn't mattered as much as they have before because they haven't gone undefeated. In fact, I think Boise State's extra sensitive right now because they didn't go to the New Year's Six. Memphis did. And guess who cost Boise State that opportunity? Uh, BYU, BYU cost Boise State uh, millions of dollars in the money they would have made by going to a New Year's Six. So I don't, I don't think it affects BYU right now. I, I don't think there's any connection with BYU. Let, let's, let's just say for the sake of argument that Boise State goes independent, which I, I don't think that that would be the route they would take, and I don't know if it's sustainable for them anyway. I think they could. But here's, but they, and, and they wouldn't have access to a near six, which is no, a yes. bowl game where they've made their bread. But from a there. scheduling standpoint, logistically, this may not, and, and if, if Tom's watching, he's going to roll his eyes when I say this because it's like logistically it just may not work. But I don't know, maybe, maybe you work together four schedules where if BYU can get a schedule, part of the deal is they play Boise State as well and vice versa. If Boise State gets somebody, they play, play BYU, I, I think and you could sort of use that. ESPN could be the linchpin there. Yeah, true. If I'm Boise State, I go, well, we could get our own deal with ESPN, do what BYU does. Absolutely. Boise State has a similar relationship with ESPN. In my they do. Opinion. It's not as long as BYU's, but ESPN loves Boise State. And now they're not as involved. In fact, they're not involved at all, right. as I understand it, in the home games. Our question of the day, what opportunities does the Boise State Mountain West Conference Discord open up for BYU? Let's go to the Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. You weigh in on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CL underscore living. Oh, good. Now Boise State and BYU can play each other every other year for the X Mountain West 2 Conference Championship. <laughs> it is funny. Yeah, BYU. BYU won it this year. Divorces the Mountain West. <laughs> Divorces the Mountain West. Boise State's unhappy in the marriage. Yeah, will will the will the first the second wife call the first wife? As you alluded to about the relationship. Yes, he knows. It'd be <laughs> Say, an awkward phone man, call. Man, this is yeah, this is weird. Yeah, yeah. Coming up, Cam Meller from Pro Football Focus lists the best 101 college football players in 2019. One BYU offensive lineman made the cut. One surprisingly didn't. And Pacific play-by-play, Zach Bayrudi on the men's hoops matchup tonight. How muddy can Pacific make it? We'll discuss this with BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Following today's BYU Sports Nation, Brenna Drollinger and the second-place women's basketball team host last-place San Francisco in a WCC matinee, 1 Eastern, on BYU TV. Live look in right now. Now, we are seeing Paisley Johnson right now in the middle of the key shooting. So she's out there. She sprained her ankle last Thursday at Pacific, scored 31, shooting some free throws right now. And the free throw is good. Uh, Paisley Johnson appear could play today, which is big news because she didn't play Saturday. Uh, BYU's leading scorer. And she obviously is a major piece 
to BYU's success Absolutely. this season. She's been she's played fantastic. She this scored year. 31 in an overtime win at Pacific on a, on sprained, a sprained ankle. ankle it yeah. happened before the game we yeah. learned yesterday from Jeff Judkins. Crazy. Now joining us, speaking of Pacific, the play-by-play voice of the Pacific Tigers, Zach Beirudi on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Zach, it's a ball night in Stockton, baby. You ready? Garam, Jason, I am good to go, man. How you guys doing? We are good. we are great. We are feeling good. And this is a game that we have looked forward to for a few weeks, knowing Pacific has improved under Damon Stoudemire. This is a place where BYU's lost before. Uh, and, and here BYU comes in, likely without Yoli Childs, for an interesting matchup against the top defensive team in the league. How do you see this game playing out tonight? You know, I, it's, it's really tough to tell, and I've, I've been trying to go back and forth in, in my own head, and even Rubel and I went back and forth a little bit this week just in, in some messages about, you know, how Yoli is such a game-changer. So depending on if he's going to be if he's gonna be active, if he's going to be somewhat at full strength or if not, it's, it's a complete game-changer if Yoli is available for BYU, obviously. So based on that, I really don't, I don't have any big prognostication other than I think it's going to be a really good game. We talked to you at the beginning of conference play. Now the Tigers 15-6, and 3-2 and two in league play. What has your attention most about this specific team? What stands out to you the most now a couple weeks into conference play? I think what stands out the most is that they're in every game, and, and even some games where they fall behind, they're in every game at the end. And you go back to that St. Mary's game, which obviously was a thrilling four-overtime win for this team. They were down by, like, eight with three minutes to go, and they came back against one of the Titans in the conference and, and were able to send it to, you know, four overtimes, including a, a wild shot to send it to triple overtime, uh, a banked in three by Gary Chevichian. But nevertheless, they're in every game, and I think they feel that they can can win every game and claw their way back. They were down 14 at the half at Santa Clara on Saturday, and they came back and, and they lost by four. Probably should have had a chance to tie that game if not for a blown call at the end. So, you know, they're, they're never out of it, and, and they're going to stay in there for 40 minutes. How much confidence did uh, this team take from beating St. Mary's, from getting that quadruple overtime win? I think a lot, uh, a lot, lot. You know, the, the win before that was at Pepperdine, which it was another game the Tigers trailed by 13 and came back and won on the road. But, it, you know, that being said, it's Pepperdine. So you, you go into St. Mary's and you're like, okay, like how, how substantive was that, that win, you know, against Pepperdine? They've been there before. Well, to beat St. Mary's, a team they hadn't beaten since coming back to the WCC, and to hang in there for as long as they had to hang in there to do it, I think was was proof that, that – this team is substantively improved. So I, I think it, it boosted their confidence exponentially. Mark Pope said this week that the, uh, the Tigers have taken on the identity, the personality of their head coach, Damon Stoudemire. What's been his recipe for turning this program around? How has he done this? Well, you know, if you watch a Stoudemire practice, he always preaches to the guys, hey, I want you to do this the right way and even if you know they run a play and it, and it works and it's executed if it's not run the way that he wanted it run he's gonna he's gonna get in them and he's gonna say hey go back and do it again because it matters that you do this the right way and develop these winning habits uh you know you can't damon always says you can't cheat it you can't cheat the system uh you can't cheat your way to to winning and it was no, it was not evident any more than it was at Saint, against the St. Mary's uh, Gales when they were able to 
to hang in there for four overtimes. And I think, you know, if Damon doesn't keep hammering them about doing things the right way, about being tough uh, mentally and and physically, you're not going to see them win that game. So I think the coaching points that Stoudemire has been emphasizing are finally starting to take root. Not only that, you get all your scholarships back this year, which of course helps you a ton. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen kind of Pacific emerge from that era and now are 15 and six at this point, have a win over St. Mary's uh, big matchup with uh, BYU tonight. We're talking with Zach Bayrudi, play-by-play voice of the Pacific Tigers and friend of the program. Vegas says this is a six point game. How do you feel about that line? Uh, you know, these lines are always so hard to predict when Pacific and BYU get together. For some reason, I, I don't know why uh, you guys know as well as anybody, Pacific always plays BYU tough. I mean, the, the thing that the one that stands out in my mind is the year that Pacific was postseason banned in 15-16, and they went in the Marriott Center of all places after BYU had beaten St. Mary's, and, and Pacific goes in there having played a Thursday night game in San Diego, and it's a 1 p.m. matinee in Provo, and they beat an outstanding BYU team. Uh, BYU's lost in Stockton a couple of times, so they could just never seem to get this game right. Uh, that being said, I feel like the, that line's a little bit too high. I think it's going to be closer than a six-point spread, but I'll say this. Uh, BYU, as you know, certainly capable of running it up, and if they're making shots, it, it could be a tough night for Pacific. Going into this conference season, everyone was saying, uh, this, this conference, it's improved. And we hear that every year. So sometimes you just kind of blow it off, but mm-hmm. it actually looks like this conference may be improved. Are you surprised at some of the wins and losses this year from some of these teams? You know, I'm not. Like, you look at the coaches in this, in this league, and, you know, obviously Mark Pope in his first year, but look at the guys that have been brought in. I mean, you know, Stoudemire, obviously this is a proving ground for him. It's his first head coaching job. But, you know, Herb Sendak, Lorenzo Romar, I mean, these are guys that, that can really coach and really recruit. So it does not surprise me one bit that this league has all of a sudden found itself with five teams and a tie for second place. You have the quality coaching, uh, you know, quality recruiting going on. And, you know, at at this point, everybody kind of knows everybody. So it's not a surprise to me. I think it's a lot of fun. I think this, this year in Vegas is going to be more fun for, for folks in the league than we've ever had, just absolutely. figuring out who's going to go where. Yes, absolutely, uh, and it should shake out to be fun. You mentioned the uh, veteran coaches, there, the, and then there's the two guys that look like they're super young, right? Todd Golden and Sam Scholl. Those guys uh, have the baby face going. They, they do have the baby face. I didn't mean to exclude those guys, but look, Pacific <laughs> played uh, USF after, after beating St. Mary's, and, and Golden and his team came to the Spanos Center, and, and they waxed the Tigers early in that game, and it wasn't close. So you, you obviously have, uh, have San Francisco, who's always a tough out. And we haven't seen San Diego yet. I know they seem a little bit down this year, but I really am a big fan of Sam Scholl. I've seen him coach his guys up close. I've actually been sitting in the Spano Center doing some notes, and he's been working with, uh, with guys. He brought guys in from the hotel to do extra work, and just the way he interacted with his players, I'm a big fan. It's going to be a fun, fun game tonight. Uh, Zach, we appreciate the time. Uh... People can listen to you uh, on the radio tonight, and we appreciate you uh, joining the show. Thanks, fellas. Anytime. Okay, Zach Bayrudi on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Which, by the way, locally, we, uh, we've seen that the game is going to be on KJAZ, uh, so you can watch uh, in Utah. Otherwise, it's on Stadium. 
uh, online. Yeah, so and options. And, you and can, as well as BYU Radio. BYU Radio, you could sync up the broadcast. I don't want to discredit BYU Radio. Yes. Of course, that's your first option in all of this, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Remember, pregame starting at Every 7 game. Mountain Time. Every yes, game. Yeah. Exactly. Coming up, Cam Miller from Pro Football Focus joins us to discuss where some BYU Cougars fall in his list of best college football players in 2019. And what game did one ESPN writer think was better than USC and Tennessee on BYU's schedule last year? <gasps> what? This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand on iTunes, TuneIn, or Google Play and enjoy On Demand and subscribe, rate, and review. There are the kids in the Marriott Center chanting BYU. They may not be BYU fans per se, Raise but, they, them right. but they are today because they got out of school. Yep. 28 minutes to game time. I feel bad for those teachers who have to wrangle all those kids for 28 more minutes. Well, I, they do for six or eight hours a day. I seriously, I need to go ask uh, women's basketball how, how the schools get involved. I want my kids' school to do that. Siri, ask women's basketball how to get – just pull your kids out of school, bro. Uh, education is important. Absolutely. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Kalani Satake. Wait, wait, wait. You say education is important? What? Yeah, it's Let's, important. Should we dig into that? Stay in school. Should kids. we dig into that? Stay in school. <laughs> or just be so good. Never mind. Kalani, <laughs> <laughs> Kalani Satake told his own sports network that he has made some adjustments in responsibilities with his coaching staff, saying, quote, but I don't think it's really anything to go out and advertise right now. We obviously talked about that earlier in the show. College football writer Bill Connolly, I call him William. Released Billy. more of his top 100 games of 2019 college football season on ESPN. He has BYU and Hawaii at number 31. What? What? That wasn't that. That was a good game. It wasn't number 31 in all the season. And we lost. How dare Bill? I don't know. Cam Meller with Pro Football Focus compiled his list of the top 100 best college football players in 2019. BYU safety Austin Lee was number 86, while offensive lineman Brady Christensen came in at number 95. Cam is going to join us coming up in just a few minutes. Men's basketball. It's a ball night in Stockton for the Cougar Cagers with pregame on the radio at 9 Eastern with Jason Shepard. Thank you. Education is important. Both are tied for second at 3-2 and two in league play. Yoli Child's status has not been declared. I personally don't expect him to play, given what we've been hearing. I declare women's basketball. As we talked about, hosting San Francisco at the top of the hour on BYU TV. The Cougars 5-2 and two in league play, USF 0-7. We'll chat with Spencer, don't call me Lyndon Linton, in about 15 minutes live from the Marriott Center. Volleyball. Number two, BYU improves to seven and Sparklino with a four-set win at number five, UC Irvine. Cougars' fifth win against the ranked team, fifth road win. Your boy, Will Stanley, I call him Bill, set his first double-double of the season with 13 digs. Same two teams right in. Track and field. Heads to New York City. New York, New York City. City. To compete in the Dr. Sander Invitational. Uh, uh, the meet will... Taylor? Taylor? Brendan? Yes. Uh, the meet will include women's top 25 teams in rank... In ranked 8th, South Carolina, and number 23rd-ranked UCLA. On the men's side, 23rd-ranked UCLA, as well as Ohio State, Penn State, Duke, and others competition beginning today. Our question of the day, what opportunities does the Boise State Mountain West Conference discard open up for BYU? At Heresy 64, because Heresy 1 through 63 was taken. (laughs) It wouldn't be a CFB offseason 
without a little conference controversy. Cue Jason's BYU to the Big 12. That, that literally is written into <laughs> this script. Look. No, that's front. Uh, yeah, exactly. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> Anytime conference realignment, somebody's looking to move, immediately I'm angling for BYU to a P5 conference. No. I'm, I, will never, I will never back down from that. I will always have that reaction. It's what makes me happy, and I hope it makes uh, some of you happy as well. What's coming up, Jason? <laughs> Our and one picks for BYU at Pacific, Our. and my picks Our. are somewhat legit. Wow. Now well, that is a tease. Well, that's about time. And Cam Meller of Pro Football Focus joins us to discuss the two Cougars on his top 101 players of 2019. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Men's basketball continuing its pursuit of the NCAA tournament in league play tonight, taking on Pacific in Stockton. Coverage begins 10 Eastern on BYU Radio, pregame at 9 Eastern tonight. Now joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is Cam Miller of Pro Football Focus. In case you missed it this week, we've been talking a lot about some of the articles and lists being put out by Cam and others. And Cam, it's great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. I appreciate you having me on. Appreciate uh, getting the getting the love out there. But you know, I one of those things I like to say is I, I like to make sure that everybody who deserves recognition gets out there. So, the guys on the list from BYU, from even out west, that the East Coast doesn't normally love. I, I you know I love being able to get the the light out there for you guys. And we appreciate it. And we appreciate football in January. We want to talk football every day. So this is fantastic. <laughs> Tell us what went into your top 101 list because what I really appreciate and and what we like as a staff is. Okay, there are people giving individual grades. It's, we're not just seeing the box scores. We're not just seeing these kind of regular, normal, surface-level statistics. We're seeing uh, higher advanced metrics in this. So what went into that? Yeah, you know, I first did, you know, looked at how many players played X amount of snaps to kind of qualify to make sure, you know, somebody wasn't getting a high grade and not really playing a whole bunch. So that was the first step. And then after that, you know, you look at the, the our full season grade. Um, and then I took it a step further. Instead of that, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that somebody wasn't getting the benefit of the doubt of playing a really lackluster schedule. So I looked and I saw where those high grades were coming from, from all these players, kind of spread it across the positions. You know, if there was a, a great quarterback that was getting great grades, but against Wofford, you know, he went down a few spots and, and then vice versa. If there was great grades against better teams on defense, on offense, that's kind of where it did. So, you know, I, I moved some things around and and went heavily with our grades, but the ability to, you know, grade positively against top-notch teams and avoid negatively graded plays against those top teams as well is kind of how I got to that final list. The two BYU Cougars that made your list for 2019, safety Austin Lee coming in at number 86, and then you had Brady Christensen, the offensive lineman, coming in at number 95. What are your specific thoughts on those two players and the seasons that they had in 2019? Yeah, I just love the way that Lee was able to play on the back end. I think, you know, when you hear a safety's name a lot, it's probably not for the best reasons. There, There's not a lot that can go right at the safety position. So when you're, you know, only targeted X amount of times or a few amount of times as the safety is, for him to make the amount of plays that he made on the ball, kind of free roaming and made, making plays on, ball, on the balls that, you know, weren't even in his coverage. That's just, it spoke to how well he roamed the field, you know, didn't miss a lot of tackles as well. And I just think that that overall play, you didn't hear his name a lot, but that was a good thing. You didn't want to hear his name a lot. And then Brady on the other side, I mean, this guy just does it all. I found out in talking about him uh, and getting him on this list as well that he played outfield in high school. So the dude's just athletic. You cue the tape and you just watch for a big man how how fluid he moves through everything. So 
I'm a huge fan of Brady. I think he definitely uh, is deserving of that spot, not giving up pressure, paving the way in the run game. I think, you know, he's pivotal uh, to that tackle spot. You said he played outfield in high school? Baseball? Yeah, yeah, I was told that from a, from a high school wow. teammate. He found me on Twitter and told me that he played outfield in high school. So, yeah, cue the tape and just what check out how, how athletic that dude is. Yeah. yeah, he feels like a tight end who has become a tackle, and sometimes those are the best tackles because they can move a little bit, right? Yeah, I definitely – I mean, athleticism, especially at the college level, um, and even more so at the NFL, but especially there when you have some of these freaky, you know, twitchy, high-twitchy athletes on the edge that, you know, can move much faster than, than their height and, and weight at the age of 18, 19 years old. you got to be athletic out there. Is this the thing um, that you're tracking in terms of these grades during the season and evaluating as well, or is this a postseason uh, post-analysis? Uh, because when we saw Austin Lee on this, this list, we thought Austin was a good player, but we didn't think he was top 100 in college football. Yeah, so it's uh, we we grade every game, uh, every player on every play of every game. In fact, um, and we do it live as as live as we can. Some of those weeks are pretty tough. Uh, week one, you know, when every FBS team is playing an FCS team, those are a little bit more taxing when there's 95 games. But yeah, we're pretty uh, pretty live on Saturdays and then into Sundays as well. We have a team of uh, over 500 part-time analysts and then a team of you know 75 senior and full-time analysts that are on staff year-round. So. They get graded on a game basis after, as the game's happening, uh, and then it, that, those cu- accumulate to a uh, season-long grade. And, Cam, it, it, BYU was close to having two offensive linemen on the list. I, I know you're high on James Impey, but he's one of those guys that just kind of barely missed the cut. Is that right? Yeah, so he just missed the cut. What we had, you know, he was one of the higher-graded setters in all of college football last season. So if I would have done this before the year, I would have said he would have made the list at the tail end. I think what happened is he was a uh, he struggled against that opening slate of the games. I mean, uh, it's it's the hardest opening stretch of his of the schedule from last year, those first four. Uh, and then after that, I mean, he didn't have a, a very good start. But after that, I mean, well above average, a couple of elite games uh, down the back end of the, of the season. So he, he was kind of climbing back into that. And it was one of those moments where he was almost on there. Only one center made the list this year because it was just, you know, that's center play was good, not great this year across the nation. You had James Empey as the 10th best offensive lineman returning in 2020, and then uh, Brady Christensen as the 20th best offensive lineman. So two in the top 20 for BYU. Um, these, and that's what I love about what you guys do is this gives us different analysis, and especially of linemen, right? So what went into the decision and the grading, I guess, on those two to say, hey, two of the top 20 are from BYU? Yeah, just it, you know, it speaks to how high they graded among, among their peers. You know, those it, James is a is a top returning center. Didn't quite make the 101 because of you know tight. Their tackles are a little bit more valuable to an offense because you got to be able to stop that pressure on the outside and be able to run block from the tackle. So that's kind of where Brady made the list, much higher graded. But James, you know, definitely he he was worth more wins and worth uh, you know more than the average center, more than any anybody else. I think than Matt Hennessy. I had Temple this season, so for him to be on that list of top, in, in the top ten of returning guys, uh, it speaks to how how highly you know he should grade and how highly uh, valuable he is to the BYU offense next year. Tied in Matt Bushman and defensive lineman Kyrus Tonga are both players who are expected to play in the NFL. A lot of us thought that would happen this year. Both decided to come back for their senior seasons. What are your thoughts on both of those players in terms of rankings, or just just by by watching them uh, with your own eyes? I really, really like Bushman. I like to save hands. I think maybe this year was a little bit of a step back in that uh, in that regard as well. I think just uh, across the field uh, was a little bit of a step back for him. I like his versatility. He's always had great grades and pass protection from us as well. So I think that's one of the things that, that kind of 
you know, gives him that next level advantage. If, if he's in this sort of, we've seen the 49ers kind of use their George Kittle uh, as a pass protector, uh, not quite as much because he's way too athletic, but if, if, you know, you're going to see these recipes for the NFL, you got to be able to do all three at the tight end position. And I think Bushman has that. And then Tonga on the other side of the ball, if he can just sort of improve a pass rush, I think if he becomes that sort of, you know, beefy guy at the middle that also has some pass rush moves because he's been elite against the run, elite in his tackling. Only, we only have him uh, charted with two missed tackles last year, which is very impressive wow. considering, you know, the size of a guy in the middle and the, and the short running backs that he normally have to be tasked with tackling. So just uh, improvement in the passing, pass rushing game, I think, for Tonga. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, pretty high day two, even maybe sneaking into the day one if he gets those sack totals that everybody likes to see. Yeah, we know his, uh, the high end is really high, so we're excited to see what he can do in his senior season. We're talking with Cam Meller from Pro Football Focus. Is there any BYU player that you think could perhaps uh, come into any of these lists in the upcoming season? Well, I definitely think if we're going to say, uh, you know, somebody's going to stay on there, it'd, it'd be Brady Christensen. But, I mean, I've, I've been a uh, – if you've ever seen me on Twitter, I think outside of Provo, maybe even outside of Utah, maybe not even, but maybe, maybe outside of Provo, uh, probably the highest on Zach Wilson across the country. I love the way he plays football. I was very, you know, obviously everybody was a little disappointed in the way the season unfolded, but for him to, to finish strong like he did in our, our grades, I really would expect Zach to kind of bounce back and have a full healthy season uh, and then get on this top 101 list next year. What stuck out to you about his performance? Because uh, we've kind of broken down what he did in the games that we perceived mattered the most. Um, and, and hoping that he can be a little more successful that way. Obviously, the thumb injury affects his wrist and how the ball comes out when he comes back and plays against good teams like San Diego State and, and Hawaii. But what stuck out to you? I think what it was, I think, is you had to, you had to move past the uh, the box score for him this year. You actually had to go back and watch some of these throws because some of – I charted them and there were six interceptions that he threw that were not his fault. There were multiple moments that they went right through the receiver's hands into the defensive back's hands. There was one against Washington where the receiver just running an out route falls down and the, and the ball would have been perfectly placed, but instead goes to the defensive back. So looking past that and realizing that not all of those mistakes that the general box score fam, we call them, likes to see in, in, the, in the box score and see how many interceptions he threw, you look past that and realistically it only should have been three maybe that were absolutely his fault, which is a great number. Uh, for his season. So I think that, I think there's down for down accuracy. If you go back to the bowl game against Western Michigan, that I've, obviously everybody knows the down for down accuracy that he has on uh, the arm strength to hit all levels of the field. I just really love the way that he plays the game. When you look at whether it's the players that we're talking about on the 2019 list, guys that possibly be on the 2020 list, in your opinion, who do you think is BYU's best chance? Maybe that, maybe it's a couple guys, BYU's best chance to be playing in the NFL next season or in the next two years. I'd say Brady Christensen. I think just the way that he moves, that athleticism, he's improved his grades even from year before uh, dramatically to this season, which year before was great. This year was even better. So if he keeps that rise, I think we've seen how important tackles are at the NFL level, especially athletic ones. And so if you're, if you're, if the Bucks are out there paying 60, 40, whatever million they paid Donovan Smith, then Brady Christensen's got to get a look because you know, that position of left tackle is so valuable at the NFL level. And so there's such a gap in terms of being top tier to maybe playable NFL starters. And then the next year, I think Brady is already in that, that level of playable NFL starters. So I think Brady, Brady Christensen probably has the best chance, and if not the best chance, the chance to be highest drafted as well. Absolutely high praise for Brady Christensen, Zach Wilson, and others. Well, Cam, this was very insightful. I imagine at some point in the future we'll reach out to you again. This was fantastic. We appreciate uh, a few minutes to break down the BYU Cougars. 
I'm always around. Thanks for having me. I do appreciate it. Okay, thanks, Cam. Cam Miller on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how from Pro Football Focus. That was as informative was as fantastic. anything I heard from August to now about BYU players. I mean, that was amazing. And the commentary on Zach Wilson, only three of his interceptions were on him. Right. That's enlightening. And that's what I love about Pro Football Focus. They break it down at the granular level. That's not the surface level. That's not the water cooler. He, and we learned a lot right Cam there. Cam knew about BYU football. That's what made that impressive. Yes. He, yes. And loved he it. said the names correctly. As soon as a dude says, <laughs> yeah. you know, Taysom Hill, it's like, see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up, our rise and shout outs, plus Spencer Linton live from the Marriott Center. And our and one picks. Will we let Jason pick and will they be rational? We'll find out. This is BYU Sports Day. Yoli said I needed to bring my A game. <laughs> Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you can get podcasts. The show is always available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Okay, let's get to some and one picks. BYU and Pacifics. Predictions and one on BYU Sports Nation. Current scoreboard. I'm up 25-24 on Spencer. Jason somehow has 12. I was going to say, how am I – how do I have – how am I even that close, honestly? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'll go first. Uh, my two-pointer. BYU covers. Uh, BYU a six-point favorite. I think the Cougars win by seven-plus tonight. And my and one pick. And what? Pacific will shoot 21 or more free throws. Their season average is 21. I think they get to that number or more. What are your picks? Do you have picks today? I do have picks. Okay. Uh, first pick, BYU will make six-plus threes. Ooh, that one's interesting because in the two losses, BYU made exactly six. Yeah. So uh, that's my first pick. And one. And one. That's, that's not very aggressive, by the way. No, but still, it's more legitimate than, than most. Would you agree it's with like that? It's like a seven-win BYU football it, season. Oh, boy. At least we went to a bowl game. All right, my and one pick. BYU will finish with single-digit turnovers. What changed with the yeah, okay. Like, these are yeah. semi-legit. Semi-legit. Look, when Yoli specifically tells you that you need to bring your A game with your and one picks, you listen. It's Yoli Childs, okay? It's about time. Let's go live to the Marriott Center where Spencer Linton is with us. Uh, Spencer, what are your and one picks? Well, first of all, Jason, you'll listen to Yoli, but you won't listen to me. And Jerem, what's yeah, up what with the that, heck? man? Hey, all I know is this is now the second, for those watching on TV, this is now the second day this week where Spencer and I have worn the same shirt. Oh, well, you coordinated it for the game, right? Yeah. This one was planned. The this one was planned, was yes. Okay, also planned my and one picks. My first pick, BYU will hold the reigning West Coast Conference Player of the Week, Jalil Tripp, to... Less than 20 points. He's averaging almost 23 in conference games. He's playing at another level. Damon Stoudemire can't say enough good things about this guy. BYU's defense will figure out a way to hold him under 20 points. And my and one pick. And one. Yes. BYU will have six steals or more. The Cougars Mm. average about five and a half a game this year. I think that the defense will not only stop Jaleel Tripp, they'll bring it, they'll be scrappy, they'll come up with six steals tonight against the Tigers. We can hear the kids behind you. Give us a sense of the environment on the second kids' day of the season. It's always an original and unique experience, Jerem. Kids' day, we've got to be coming up on like the tenth time we've done this, right? I can't believe I still have eardrums that work. It's the best environment it's, it's awesome, for a game. It's right? awesome. It's fantastic. I and, cannot wait to get over there. How does And is Paisley Johnson going to play? Do we know that? I'm watching her warm up right now. Uh, they said game time decision. I don't know that BYU needs her to play. We expect that she will play. She's a competitor. She wants to. But, uh, yeah, she's warming up right now. Uh, hopefully the swelling in that ankle is low enough that uh, she can't do any more significant damage. Okay. 
Uh, BYU and Pacific on the men's side tonight, Spencer. Uh, what do you expect in this one? BYU by six is kind of what, what uh, Vegas says. Do you feel like BYU will cover? Do you think it'll be a tighter game? I think it's going to be a close game. I think that uh, BYU is going to have to sweat this one out, especially if Yoli Childs is not involved and he's not going to be. So uh, it comes down to stopping Jalil Tripp. Tell you what, Jeremy, if BYU can slow him down, then I think you're right, and they will cover. But if uh, he goes off and is inching up around 25 points, watch out. This go down to the buzzer. Okay, Spencer Linton and Kristen Kozlowski and Jason Shepard will sprint over coming up uh, at the top of the hour on BYU TV from the Merritt Center. Thanks, Spence. You got it. Bring your shirt, Jason. I've got it. He's wearing it now. There you go. Uh, our question of the day, what opportunities does the Boise State Mountain West Conference Discord open up for BYU? The elite voice of the day, presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, goes to Eric Hall. Opportunities to pause and reflect on the blessings of independence. Okay. There are, <laughs> there are off-the-field benefits, certainly, to what BYU is yeah. doing. It's been more of a struggle, um, and I attribute that to just the schedule being a little too hard. And obviously injuries have played a role and da da da. Those things happen. BYU can control the schedule. You can't control the injuries, but time for our rise and shoutouts. I'm gonna go a little bit uh, I'm gonna go away from BYU for this one. How dare you. But not that far because I'm going with Zion. Uh-huh. Or Zion. His Z- name actually Zion? is Zion, but Zion's he likes National the way Park. it sounds is Zion, so people yeah. just keep saying it that sounds way. Cool. Uh, made his debut last night. We talked about this at the beginning of, uh, of the broadcast. So much hype mm-hmm. around him. I'm going to give him the rise and shout out because he actually lived up to the hype. Finished with 22 points, oh, 17 yeah. in the fourth quarter. So many times these don't live up to the expectations, and he did last night. And it was one game. It was, I mean, but, it was but, still, but he made, what, four threes or something? Yeah, he was like, in that fourth quarter, like he was fantastic. Row, yes. Was crazy. Yes. My rise and shout out goes to the men's volleyball team. Right now, they are crushing it. This was a team that had a disappointing season last year. Lowest win total and win percentage and uh, ABCA ranked since 96. I mean, it was not what they typically do. Now they're number two. So far, so good. Very focused, styled in, talented BYU volleyball team. Uh, BYU with the win last night at UC Irvine. Keep it going. And uh, if things hold out, we'll have two versus three next week on BYU TV against Santa Barbara. So that could be really fun. I am, I am stoked about what is coming up at the top of the hour. It is women's hoops. Are you gonna? And you yeah, said you're gonna come and, over too. Yeah, yeah, I'm going over. I'm Are going you over. gonna sideline the other side? And I'll be, sure. you one side. Yeah. It was just yeah. I'll just I'll go get a multiple sideline reports. Absolutely. All right. That's right. You don't have the white shirt. You can't. Thanks to today's guest, specific play-by-play Zach Bay Rudy <laughs> and Cam Meller from Pro Football Focus. Conversation continues 24/7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Sorry to Dennis Pitt, no time for Jason. I'm Jerem. Shout out to Trevor Neff. Stay tuned. Women's hoops against San Francisco in two minutes from now on BYU TV. Go Cougs!